Welcome to Backroom Talk. We're going to get into talking about the muscle endurance tree today and like geeking out on fitness and doing our OPEX thing that we do. Let's talk about what the muscle endurance tree is and then let's define everything inside of the muscle endurance tree. Aerobic muscle endurance. Yeah, aerobic muscle endurance. Um, Yeah, this one's, it's a fun one to play with. I'm not going to lie, right? Like I, I love this area um, and then we have max contractions and then we have aerobic muscle endurance and then we have battery to listen to more backroom talk be sure to subscribe learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com well, guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. And uh, we're going to start this thing off, Carl, by chatting a little bit about what is happening around the world with COVID uh, and a little bit specifically to gyms and coaches and what might be going on uh, for people that are in parts of the world uh, facing new restrictions and lockdowns. You're smiling at me. Oh, sorry. No, just because you said for people that are in parts of the world. So well, I'm like, yeah. I, I thought, I'm like, who's not in parts of the world? I guess Bezos was... This is true. Gone yesterday for 11 minutes. He did. He was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's his name? Richard Branson. Uh, just, yeah. Just a the week weeks before ago, that, yeah. taken yeah, yeah. off. So. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. But no, I think it's important to acknowledge that we are kind of operating in a place, Arizona, where there aren't a ton of restrictions. Um, we are moving fairly freely about our days and we can go to the gym and masks are not required in public places uh, right now. So. I think that's uh, important to acknowledge what we're mm-hmm. living through and we are removed from that experience. But you got a post from a CCP coach yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what did that coach say? Yeah, it was just, um, yeah, just curiosity, uh, th- our thoughts on, you know, what what's going to happen, right? It's like, what do you predict is going to happen with, with this whole thing with the Delta variant and, and, and all of that? And, you know, we have to be honest. It's like no one actually knows what's going to happen and what's going to happen here is not the same that is going to happen there and in and all places around the world. So um, I think it's a, a good time to have a conversation. Um, and you brought up a good point before we hit record on this, um, talking about things that we've learned and things that we can control. I think it could be beneficial to, you know, have a five or 10 minute conversation on those things. Yeah, definitely. And as a starting point, let's, so we're here, it's July 21st that we're recording this. So I think we should probably examine what is happening in the world right now, who in what countries are currently facing lockdowns and restrictions. And we were, you know, we were looking for a good list of that. And there isn't a really solid comprehensive list on exactly what is happening in each country, at least that we were able to find in our like 10 minute seven minute Google search that we just did. But I did pull up a Reuters article uh, that was published on July 20th. So yesterday for us, and the title is, here's what you need to know about coronavirus right now. And just some of the key bullets inside of that guys. So uh, obviously we've got the Olympics upcoming and uh, it starts off by saying the Tokyo 2020 chief does not rule out the cancellation of the game. So I think that is something that is looming right now, especially as there have been some athletes that have you know tested positive and I think Tokyo is seeing rising COVID-19 cases uh, and there is concern around uh, around cancellation. Australia, a place near and dear to my heart. I think more than half of Australia's popula- population are currently under lockdowns. Uh, I know that a lot most gyms are are closed at the moment so I've seen a lot of people I know from back home you know back out in parks doing fitness and doing their at-home thing 
so more than half of Australia's 25 million people were under lockdown on Tuesday after a third state adopted movement curbs to rein in the highly contagious Delta variant. Uh, and then China is also seeing a report in spike of new cases on the border with Myanmar. What else have we got here? India's excess deaths during the pandemic pandemic are up to 4.9 million. And uh, what else? Singapore is also tightening curbs. So while well, we've just seen Singapore go back into lockdown and, and gyms close again there. And uh, I know some coaches in our community as well have posted about that happening. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting. Um, well, the, the list that, that we kind of threw together, um, and this might be a bit outdated and Singapore wasn't on there. And we know that we have, uh, an ambassador that's there and we know that they just shut down. Right. But it's Australia, New Zealand, Bangladesh, Portugal, Israel, and Singapore, uh, are shut down. The article that we pulled that from was a few weeks old. So that's probably a little bit outdated. There might be more, there might be less. Um, but it could be interesting just to throw a poll, um, out on like our social media and just ask, you know, if you're shut down, we, we'd like to know that, um, yeah. like coaches around the world, because yeah. I think sometimes it happens so fast that, um, it's hard for, you know, these media outlets to really keep up with who's open, who's closed. Um, cause we've, we've seen a lot of these places, cities, states, countries, provinces, territories kind of bounce back and forth. Uh, day by day, week by week. And I know we experienced that last year yeah. where it was like, ooh, we're unsure. What are the mandates? We have no idea. Yeah. And guys, we want to make sure we're creating content that is relevant to you and the situation that you're in. So we will definitely put that poll out, guys, and get uh, a little bit of feedback on what you are experiencing right now. And like, we're going to get into talking about the muscle endurance tree today and like geeking out on fitness and doing our OPEX thing that we do. But I want to make sure that, you know, over the next coming weeks and months, we are meeting coaches like you where you're at and providing content that's relevant to the problems that you're facing right now. And that might be how to progress muscle endurance and progress someone up that tree. But it might also be, you know, switching back to at-home workouts and making sure that you're able to serve your clients through this. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first question I ask is, um, well, because I was asked this question is, uh, you know, what, what is going to happen? You know, what's going to happen around the world? And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of hedge a little bit and say like, it, it depends on where you're at and, uh, what type of government you're in and, uh, all of that, we won't get, get deep there, but, um, all of that's going to have influence. Um, you know, are you are you in a more conservative place? Are you in a more liberal place? What is the trending? What has the trending? What has the trending been over the past sixteen months, eighteen months, however long it's been already? What happened last year, right? Because it's like you know history will repeat itself, but now it's repeating itself year after year, which is uh, rare. We don't see that very often. So we can reflect back on what happened a year ago. Um, what did the place that you're in do? How did everyone react? How did everyone respond? Uh, emotions are a big part of this thing. Um, and I know I know people will get really emotional if, uh, if their city, state, whatever, shuts down again. Um, because a lot of these people were told, um, you know, get the vaccine and, and, you know, that's, we're all gonna be safe. And, you know, a large amount of people, percentage of people got the vaccine and then these countries are shutting back down and we're seeing on these media outlets people are like in uproar. They're like, but you told us, right? So now like that's where emotions are going to get really high for people. Um, so I think coaches just need to understand that like people might 
not think too much about fitness if their if their cities or countries shut down again. They're going to be emotional. They're going to be thinking about their personal lives. They're going to be thinking about their well-being, their jobs, their families. Maybe, you know, there is an outbreak there and their loved ones are getting really sick or, or whatever the case is. I think there's going to be a lot of... Um, a lot of other things happening in those places that shut down. So I don't think it's going to be, oh, we shut down. Uh, now people are going to figure out how can I do fitness remotely or how can I do fitness at home? I don't know if fitness is going to be top of mind for a lot of people in these countries when and if they shut back down. So I think that's a, a, a point to consider for coaches. Yeah, there's always that settling period after there's a disruptive event, right? And we saw that initially when gyms closed down here last year and people were in a lockdown situation. At first it was scramble and survival and how do we make sure we're fed if we're not able to go to the grocery store and all of these things. And then fitness and figuring out how to make that routine at home was a secondary you know, concern after the initial, you know, week or two had subsided and people had, had uh, you know, settled into, I don't want to say new normal, but into their new routines at home. So there is going to be that period of turbulence where the first priority for most people is not getting their workout in for the day. And that is okay. I do want to make sure that coaches are prepared to have solid communication with their clients through you know, what might be a lockdown for them. So do you have any suggestions? Your city locks down, uh, you know, all of your clients all of a sudden realize that they have to train at home. What should it look like coming from the coach to the client in terms of communication about what to expect next? Um, yeah, I don't think we can actually give an answer there in terms of like uh, what to expect, what they should exactly be prepped for because I think it's going to be different for a lot of people but I think what we do know is because we have already experienced this we've experienced three four five versions of this already this would just be six seven eight of it um, because there was a lot of cities and and let's just talk about what we know for sure there was a lot of OPEX gyms that did this they were open they were closed they were open they were closed and it was like, you know, after they opened and closed the first and second time, it was very clear. And we were on a gym's call, um, a monthly license call, and we we're talking about, you know, what can we do to be better prepared? And it's like, you need to have a communication strategy. You need to talk about these things right now while you're still open if you think there's a possibility uh, for you to close back down. So the, the great thing about our model is that you actually get to have conversations with people. So in a consultation, you ask your client like, hey, how are you going to feel? when and if this thing shuts down again and we have to flip back to the way that we used to do things or the way that we did things six months ago. And it's just a conversation and what you said, right? It's like meeting that client exactly where they are. So I don't know if there's a like an overarching like, okay, every client, we're gonna we're gonna send this message out to them. We're going to rent out equipment in this way. We're gonna program this kind this kinds of stuff and we're gonna go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this. I don't know if it's that. I think it's just you need to be prepared as a business owner or a coach for it to happen. And you need to make sure that you have those conversations prior to it happening with each and one of your clients, every one of your clients. So when it does actually happen, you're not like, oh, crap, what do I do now? It's like, okay, it sucks that it happened, but we already had the conversation. We're prepared. I know exactly what this is going to shift into for this series of clients, that series of clients, so on and so forth. Um, so in terms of communication, I would just say have the conversations right now and be prepared logistically. Um, and then financially, I we don't know, right? Like there's a bunch of different places that have different rules and regulations on, uh, you know, you don't have to pay your, your rent. Um, you get 
this many months of, of, uh, of essentially forgiveness, or you get this much money per month if your country is shut down. It's just different everywhere around the world. I would just say that make sure that, you know, your communication strategy is, is solid. Um, your execution strategy with your clients is solid. Um, and then your financial plan is solid and you know what you're going to do financially uh, if you do shut down. Because I do know there are gyms that don't have any forgiveness policies in place and they have to pay everything yeah. while they're shut down. So if you are if you fall into that, into, that, uh, into that subsection, then you need to make sure that you have a runway. And it's like, you know, I have no idea how long places are going to shut down for if they shut down again. But I would prep for six months. I'm not saying that that's the time, but I would... I would say, okay, can I make this work for six months? Like you need to at least have that runway in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's so many uncontrollable factors and things that are, you know, the government will decide uh, what happens. And at the end of the day, you have to go with what is happening in your local area. There's not a lot of choice there. But the stuff you've laid out just then, Carl, those are all things that are very much within the control of the coach or the gym owner to reach out one-to-one to each of their clients and have that conversation. Hey, here's what's m- what might happen and here's how we're going to be prepared to make sure you can continue your fitness through this. Sitting down and looking at their finances and making sure they have all of that in play. Uh, again, these are all things that you can control and that is the stuff that people need to lean into right now. Yeah, and I'd also think about if I was in a gym right now and that's what I was doing full-time, I would really think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it because I don't know if this is going anywhere in the next two, three, four, five years. I have no idea if this is going anywhere in the next five years. I don't know if there's going to be a Charlie <laughs> variant of this thing. I don't know if there's going to, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be other variants of, of uh, COVID-19. So I would just think about, okay, what if this keeps happening? <laughs> you know, what is, what if the, cause I remember last year, I think it was in all of our heads, like, ah, this can't last very long. Like this, this is a couple weeks. And then it was like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be a couple months. And then we're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a year. And now I think we have to think about, is this gonna be five years, right? Mm-hmm. So I would just think about the way that I'm doing things. And uh, and I'm not telling anyone to shift the, their model or anything like that. I would just look at it and say, am I doing the right things if I do have to, if this is in the back of my mind for the next five years, like how do I pivot and still be okay? Because we all have to look out for ourselves. Definitely. All right. Well, should we uh, leave it at that and move on to the muscle endurance? I think so. I mean, we could just be overthinking it. (laughs) Hopefully this thing doesn't explode. Um, but I think we just need to be prepared for it. Yeah, But hopefully we're, hopefully we're making a bigger deal than, than needs to be on this thing. Yeah, for sure. And guys, if you are listening in and you're somewhere that is affected by restrictions or lockdowns right now, we would love to hear from you, what you are doing to prepare, uh, or, you know, to, to be able to handle the situation you might currently be in. So if you're on YouTube watching this, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, as always, this is kind of unrelated, but leave us a review. We would appreciate that. And in that review, you can let us know how you're doing. And then you can always reach out to Carl and I uh, on social media as well. Uh, we'd be happy to message back and forth there too. So um, let's transition into the muscle endurance tree. Kind of a hard, uh, a hard little segue here. Uh, but it is the topic of our latest free guide or free course that we're putting out to the universe. So guys, some good education that just dropped 
think it was yesterday, um, based on the release date of this of this podcast. Oh, I was like, I don't think that released yesterday. Well, we're, based on the, we're talking got it. to future people. Yeah, we're talking in the future. We're talking okay. in the future, and it would have been yesterday that this thing dropped. So uh, if you're on our mailing list, you would have got an email. If not, on uh, you haven't already got access to the course, if you check the description for this podcast, you will see a link to actually go and download it and uh, run through that thing. So, uh, Carl, it was it was taught by you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did you teach people? Um, what was the topic? Yeah, we went through the muscle endurance tree framework, yeah. um, which is a great framework. And um, it's, it's always a good reminder for coaches that have gone through CCP and they've heard us talk about that. And it's always a good... Uh, a good thing to think about for people that haven't been exposed to it because it kind of open your it opens your mind to different ways to progress things because I think that um, any of us that were brought up in this um, strength conditioning game we, we kind of we're, we're very narrow-minded we're just like not that there's only one way to do things but there's there's a way that things are progressed and it's interesting because when you look at anything in fitness specifically you can actually put a magnifying glass on it and go really deep into that one thing. And we did that with muscle endurance, right? Um, James laid out the muscle endurance tree four years ago. Um, and we've just kind of expanded on that thing over the last four years. And there's some really good learnings and, and stuff like that that come out of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, question. Yeah. What is, what muscle, is the muscle endurance? What is muscle endurance? <laughs> yeah. Let's start there. Yeah, so... Uh, Muscle endurance, let's do this. Let's let's talk about what the muscle endurance tree is and then let's define everything inside of the muscle endurance tree because muscle endurance is a specific thing inside, inside of the muscle of endurance it. tree. So we have muscle endurance at the base of the muscle endurance tree, but it's important to realize that before you get to the base of the muscle endurance tree, there's motor learning or motor control that has to be established. Yep. So you have to learn how to move first before you try to... Uh, dive into muscle endurance and increasing that, you need to know how to move patterns specifically. So muscle endurance or motor control is before you get into the tree, the base of the tree is muscle endurance. And then we have strength endurance. And then we have max contractions. And then we have aerobic muscle endurance. And then we have battery Love it. All right. That is a muscle endurance tree. Guys, we have a very pretty infographic that lays that all out visually with examples and some program design examples too uh, inside of that free download on that free course. So if you want a little bit of a visual to try and uh, see what Carl was just describing, uh, I know you can see it as you describe it. Yeah, no, it's... We almost need, might, what are you what are you doing here? I don't, I'm making the tree. <laughs> like climbing a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to... Um, I always want to say like, oh, can we just like throw a graphic on this? And then uh, Emma is back there and Jacob somewhere is probably like, no, don't say that. We don't like, I know that's a lot more work than, than it sounds, well, but that would be beneficial to, instead of me doing this, like a climbing a ladder, like a, mm-hmm. mi- was a mine, mine, a mime, 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 mime. mime. Yeah, that deal. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately for people on audio, a graphic wouldn't be too uh, too helpful to those listening to the podcast. Then we just say, hey, go to YouTube, watch the podcast. This is true. You guys do have that option. The uh, world is your oyster. Yeah. So anyway, that's the muscle endurance tree. So let's define each one of those pieces. Sounds good. Um, so muscle endurance first. So muscle endurance is just the ability to push work out. I always just say to the right. I hope people know what I mean when I say to the right. It's like time increases as we go to the right. So 
we're pushing contractions out to the right. Um, muscle endurance, we always get the question, what is the difference between muscle endurance and strength endurance? So muscle endurance, the challenge in muscle endurance is your motor control is being challenged. So your ability to, ability to keep good technique, your ability to keep full ranges of motion, if that's the intent, all of those things are challenged. So I always like to use the air squats. I'll use the air squat again. So a bunch of air squats, 150 air squats, let's say unbroken or with like a quick breath at the top would be an example of true muscle endurance or a true muscle endurance task. What's going to break down? Uh, and you see it in like a, a workout like Murph, right? Like how do air squats look in Murph? I want to get up and demonstrate one right now, but it's like the butt goes down and the hands go forward. Yeah. That like, just like torso yeah, lean that yeah. happens. And it's hilarious you said that because that's what I was visualizing as you were talking about muscle endurance. I was thinking about some of the air squats mm -hmm. that I've seen and I have done myself yes. doing Murph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's still a good rep, quote unquote, right? So uh, what's being challenged there? Motor control or like what we would just call technique is being challenged. So that's uh, tr the truest level of, of muscle endurance. So load isn't really a thing. It's just, you have a lot of reps. You're trying to keep good quality as you, as you go to the right in time, uh, strength endurance, it's the same exact idea, but now the limiter is tension. Yep. So tension is higher in strength endurance. So muscle endurance is 150 air squats. Strength endurance is 25 front squats with 65% of your one rep max on there. That's not like scientifically backed or anything like that, but you get the idea. It's like a little bit heavier. The reps are, are a lot lower, but you can kind of wrap your head around how tough that would be. Or like a 20 rep uh, back squat. I'm sure a lot of people have done that. You can kind of feel or understand how that feels with like a quick breath at the top, right back down, quick breath. That's tension is, is challenging uh, you being able to push that out to the right. Uh, max contractions. Uh, easy, right? Like we're, that's like the highest level of tension. So we are lifting very heavy loads. So it's like one, two, three rep maxes, um, in any pattern. Yep. So that's a max contraction. Um, and then we have aerobic muscle endurance. So that is the idea of making muscle endurance sustainable and you're doing other things around that. So I know we used Murph, uh, Murph isn't a great example of that because that's more of like a chipper. You're just yeah. doing a bunch of work, but just imagine partitioning Murph, right? So P I know when people do Murph, they'll do, um, I don't even know the thing. Like 5, 10, 15 for 20 rounds. Yes. Yeah. So that would be a good example of aerobic muscle endurance just because we're like really thinking about that air squat. So we're doing that. So we're running, we're doing, we're doing the air squats, we're doing the pull-ups, we're doing the push-ups, we're going back to the air squats. So you're making that aerobic. Right. So the ability to keep good quality in that aerobic setting. And that was a challenging idea that James kind of brought forth uh, and probably some other people as well. But uh, I know that notion of making contractions like an air squat, like a push up, like a pull up aerobic contractions uh, is something that's kind of unsettling and unknown in the strength and conditioning world. Yeah, for sure. And for good reason, because most people shouldn't do it. Yes. And we talked about that last week on our webinar. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, uh, metabolic conditioning, and that was something that we that we hit on. It's like, hey, everyone, like there's a progression to this thing, and you can't just throw, you know, old Susan in there. Susan's my mom's name, so I'm going to use my mom. Can't throw old Susan in there. Not calling my mom old, but can't throw Susan in there and say, hey, I want you to do this 20 rounds for time, air squat, push-up, 
pull-up thing, right? And I want you, I want that to be really aerobic. Susan's going to go in and do like 10 air squats and take, take a breath. And she's like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually training like, like some muscle endurance stuff. And then, you know what I mean? So it's not going to be aerobic and sustainable. And most people fall into that camp. Um, so this is just a framework that's laid out to say, Hey, you need to do these things and then these things and then these things before you can do that. Um, and it's, nothing's perfect, right? Like no framework is like, okay, check that off. Now I can move to the next one. Check that off. Like there's no, there's no, like, there's no test or assessment that you can do really that says like, I'm exactly here, right. Or I'm exactly there. But it's a great framework to think about when you when when stuff goes wrong and you're like, oh, maybe I need to think about taking a step back and working on this characteristic and contractions before I go up and, and do that. For sure. If we see Susan attempting to do Murph and her knees are caving in in her squats and she's snaking through her push-ups, maybe we want to go back and think, did Susan spend adequate time developing motor control in her squat and push mm-hmm. patterns? Did she then do muscle endurance work and build a good base of that? Did we take her into strength endurance? Has she shown the ability to express max contractions before we get into that aerobic muscle endurance work? Yep, absolutely. We got one more, one more piece at the top of this uh, tree. Yeah, uh, battery. So battery is moving high percentages of load relative to the maximum amount of load that you can lift. So let's call it like 70%, 75%, 80%, 90% of load over and over and over across um, a certain amount of time or a certain amount of reps. So a classic test that we use for battery testing is uh, test your one rep max power clean rest eight minutes and then go an eight minute AMRAP of power cleans at 90% of that one rep max. So that's a battery test. So tension is very high. It feels like you're performing max contraction reps actually, because the, the percentage is so high, but because you've built up such a battery, you're able to do it, drop it, take a breath, creatine phosphate, ATP, that all regathers and okay, I can do it again, drop, redo it again. And you see some uh, fairly impressive things uh, that athletes can do uh, when they have high levels of, of, uh, of battery capabilities. Um, and I said athletes specifically because no one else really needs to do battery training. For sure. I mean, I've definitely given battery training to people who probably do, who didn't need to do it. Uh, and I've given battery training to people who have not progressed up those levels of the muscle endurance tree. And you can look at that and be like, wow, they just did 45 reps of their one RM in eight minutes. They must have a great battery. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then you look at what that one RM was and uh, it was so low absolutely uh, because they have not spent time again working up that tree to the point that they can express a true maximal contraction well low relatively relatively for them for them yes yeah yeah because they can't express yeah they can't express right so that's a really good point um yeah i've done that too where it's like oh that's a good that's a good score and you're like but you power cleaned 85 pounds Mm -hmm. like that actually we shouldn't even be doing that yeah um so it it is a game of like relativity uh based on what they're able to do and knowing what solid scores are absolutely um because you can have an absolute beginner that's like oh relatively that was high for you you just pr'd but that doesn't mean absolutely they're strong sure and again there's no number that's like 
okay, you can do the battery test with someone once they hit this absolute number. Um, that's, that's the art of coaching, right? Like you have to understand where people sit relative to what their potential is. Because uh, you'll have people that have low potential of a, a lower potential to be strong in the power clean. And if you're like chasing 200 pounds for a, a female and that female doesn't have the potential to ever do that, it's like you're you're just playing this game that you're never going to accomplish. It's like, yes, she power cleaned 160. That's her potential. You can like look at her and say, okay, I want you to do 160 again. And like, it's just not happening. Yeah. She fails it off the ground. You're like, okay you're probably getting close to that potential. Um, so for that person, it's like, yeah, let's do some some battery testing, some battery training and stuff like that. Yeah, whole other uh, whole other conversation inside of that and looking mm-hmm. at individual potential and uh, how that affects training for sure. Yeah, for sure. But just like one more thing on battery before we go to broader conversation around the muscle endurance tree. But in years ago uh i saw that battery word pop up online as i was researching program design and looking at other people's designs and things like that and that's one of the things that drew me back to opex was like what is this battery thing that people are talking about um yeah just uh yeah just just a side note yeah it's a it's a sexy thing and you want to it's one of those things where like you want to geek out about and like use but you just don't need to use it with most people very true (laughs) yeah it's it's very insightful though especially for like CrossFit athletes, right? Or like uh, IF3 athletes, it's it's something that, that is used, right? It's like, it's something that is tested often, what, so. What is it that's being tested, just as a side note, and why does it need to be used in that sport? Uh, what do you mean, what is it that's being, like what's a, an example of a workout? Uh, like physiologically, what are you testing with battery? Yeah, it's the reproduction of CP and ATP. Yeah. Yeah, so you do a hard contraction and how quickly can you recover from that hard contraction to do it again and again and again and again? So that's why there's some connectivity between aerobic muscle endurance and battery. Uh, they're not the same thing because tension is a lot higher in battery, but just how we talked about muscle endurance and strength endurance, I would look at aerobic muscle endurance and battery as having that same relationship where battery tension is just way higher. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, th- and those are both characteristics that you see inside the sport of mixed modal mm-hmm. inside a CrossFit. Yep. Yeah. For okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. So that's the muscle endurance tree. Um, what about examples of each? Yeah, I like, think that would uh, be good. Yeah, so I think we, I think we brush brush across like uh, motor control a lot. And these, I know we go deeper into it in CCP, but we kind of like hit it and we just say like, okay, you have the ability to do something effectively. Um, but I think if people really understand motor learning and motor control, it'll make a lot, it'll make a lot more sense in terms of how do you get, how do you increase someone's muscle endurance? How do you increase someone's muscle size? It's, it's everything. You need to have that um, like the lower order weight of saying it would be mind muscle connection. That's, that's what motor control or motor learning is. And a good way to understand if someone has that is to, without even taking them through OPEX move or, uh, assessing them in whatever way you assess people is just to ask them to squeeze a specific musculature, right? Like, have you ever worked with someone where you're like, I want you to flex your calf and they they're like, what do you mean? Like, I can't do that. That person doesn't have a great mind muscle connection yeah. with their calf muscle specifically. Yeah. So 
I'm not saying like we need to develop motor control in the calf muscle, but I'm saying that that's something like if, if the person came to you and they're like, I want to make my calves more enduring or I want to make my calves, uh, bigger, right? Um, well, let's keep it, let's keep it with, with, uh, the muscle endurance tree. If someone said, Hey, when I do, when I'm all the way at the top of the tree and I do this, um, uh, aerobic, uh, muscle endurance, or I'm trying to make muscle endurance aerobic, my calves give out when I do double unders, ask them the question like, Hey, can it, can you just like flex your calf and squeeze it for me? And they're not able to do it. You know, that they don't even have the ability right now to make that muscle more enduring because they can't activate that muscle specifically. Yeah. Or if you say that with someone, like you tell someone to like squeeze your pec for me, right? Um, or like joking. Yeah. Like, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, bounce your pec for me. Typically, if someone's able to bounce their pec, they probably have great motor control or they know how to activate that muscle through exercise. So those pecs are probably bigger <laughs> than the person that cannot bounce their pec. And a lot of people think like, oh, that, that guy, like the rock, right? Dwayne Johnson is over there bouncing his pec. Uh, he can only do that because they're big. It's like, no, they're big because he can do that. So that's motor learning, understanding how to activate a muscle. For you want to sure. say something? I really do. I just have to enlighten. <laughs> George is over here like crying right now. I just I've seen Carl Peck dance quite a hey, few times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got some great motor control. Emma gets really uncomfortable when I do it. She does. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it right now because I wanna. I want. I want Emma to be as comfortable <laughs> as possible. Just like on that jet ski this weekend, we went on a jet ski. Emma was yep. really. She wasn't she's about like, it. Where do I put my hands? She wasn't about it. Yeah. But I was like, hey, Emma, you got to trust me. And she's like, she she thought I was going to break her trust, but I didn't. I don't want to do that today. No way. So I won't bounce the pack. I'll do it when you leave. The, the motor control example, just to like totally leave the pack dance behind, the motor control example I think of all the time uh, where it's like squeeze this muscle and people can't do it, yet they're trying to use that muscle in an aerobic setting is on pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Someone hangs on the bar and you're like, engage your lats and they're like, I'm, am I doing it? And their yeah, shoulders yeah. up, you know, around their ear and there's mm -hmm. just nothing happening here. And then they're telling you that their grip is blowing out and they can't string their pull-ups together. And uh, you take a look at that and you're like, yeah, man, you can't, you don't even know how to engage your lats on a pull-up. Yep. So uh, let's take some step back, steps back and look at that. Yeah, yeah. That's such an obvious example to me of uh, that happening inside of, you know, CrossFit gyms uh, and just something that I've seen uh, coaching CrossFit for sure. Yeah, that's, that's where that whole idea of... Um athletes that have some sort of bodybuilding background um, just have better levels of motor control than those that don't or they're better able to isolate a musculature or they're least likely to injure get injured because of a structural imbalance because they do understand how to activate um, all of their musculature across their body and they do have motor control um, and they do have that, um, you know, mind muscle connection. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that is extremely important to look at prior to thinking about progressing someone up the, the muscle endurance tree. And we talk about patterns a lot, like we're so pattern based, it's like pattern, 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 but we have to understand that there's musculature behind the patterns, right? So it starts in the brain, then it goes to the muscles, and then we move through patterns. But it starts with the brain, right? So that's why motor control and motor learning 
is so important. We want to simplify everything. So we don't want to say we're training, you know, your VMO today. We're training your quad tomorrow. We're training your glute men. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't want to do that. That gets a, that gets very complicated. But when we do train patterns, we're thinking about muscles. We're thinking about muscles. Like, and that's why we'll say like, uh, you know, I'm training the bend pattern and I want it to be glute specific today. Um, so I just want people to understand that as well, especially CCP coaches, because that, that's why we get a lot of confusion um, in terms of like exercise selection where people are like, there's so many exercises in this pattern. It's like, yes, we use patterns. Like we, we want that to be like the framework and how you set up your days, but you got to think a little bit deeper than just doing a pattern to do it. Um, and that's where, you know, having the ability to, to activate, or let's just look at it from a coach's standpoint, understanding if your clients have the ability to activate musculature is very important. And I know that we say like it's pattern specific, so you can kind of progress up and down based on where you're at, but best practice with the muscle endurance tree, ensure that your clients have motor control across all patterns, all of them, because when we row, we're using multiple patterns. Mm -hmm. When we bike, we're using multiple patterns. When we do a box jump, we're doing Like we're always using varied patterns. So I think it'd be a losing proposition if, if we told coaches like progress the push. Push is going up the muscle endurance tree, but the pole is not. Like that's just very confusing. Just spend a lot of time with all of your clients, might even be years, developing awesome motor control before thinking about muscle endurance. Not eight weeks. Not eight weeks, not a map progression, years developing motor control before you even think about those things. Yeah. Great. I said I was going to give examples, but I didn't. No, I think that was an important conversation to have. So should we go into examples now? Yeah, for sure. Let's start with... um, We gave some motor control examples. Yep. Let's start with muscle endurance. Let's go into muscle endurance. Yeah. So, well, we did actually give a muscle endurance example. 150 air squats. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's more of a like testing scenario where like, hey, we have this task, go do it. Uh, but when we look at like a training scenario, when we look at training muscle endurance, um, you know, we like to use higher tension in terms of time under tension, not higher tension in terms of load. Sure. So we want to ensure that um, motor control is actually the thing that is challenged. And in our examples, we like to polarize our examples. So we always use like five one five one in a goblet squat or three one three one in a front squat something like that and we do that intentionally to polarize like hey load will obviously be light because we're doing three one three one for 10 reps like you're not going to put 70 percent of your one rep max on there because you won't be able to do it so muscle endurance is the musculature is under high levels of tension in terms of time load is low and what we're trying to challenge is motor control so we're trying to challenge technique while keeping technique great across all sets because right now we're training so it should be very very high quality so i guess an example of that would be um you know the goblet squat at five one five one that's that's brutal like your clients will your clients will hate that don't give them that will be the goblet squat at three one three one times six to ten reps whatever that is and then it's like hey feel out the load keep great quality if you're able to keep 
great quality, challenge it a little bit more with a little bit more load. Once you get to that spot where you're like, I can't actually keep this, boom, stay there, and then progress on. Because we don't need to say, like, you need to be at this RPE or you need to be at this percentage of your 20 rep max goblet, goblet squad. It's just like, hey, we're trying to challenge motor control. Yeah, I think about what that feels like going through, you know, eight reps at 3131 in a goblet squad. And it's a lot of concentration. Yep. Right. You're you're counting your those seconds by. You're making sure you're in perfect positions on the way down, in the bottom, on the way up. You have the time to actually think about it uh, when you are, you know, prescribing that tempo and giving people the opportunity to spend time in each part of the movement. Yeah, it's a real it's a taxing on the brain, mm -hmm. uh, which does connect to that limitation of motor control. Yeah. Uh, versus when we start to get into strength endurance, you're putting that slightly heavier weight on your back, and now it's a little bit more let's just do this. Let's overcome this load. Yep. Uh, this thing's kind of heavy. Uh, let's brace and move it. It's less thinking about what is happening in the pattern as you go through it. Yep. So we laid out in our exercise selection class, we laid out uh, learn, grow, express. Um, this, this actually isn't grow. So we have to be, we have to be very, um, we have to be very specific in our intentions on doing high volume. Uh, this isn't hypertrophy. Yeah. Right. Hypertrophy is we're doing work to make the muscle grow. Um, it's not we're doing work to extend out the endurance of that muscle. That's not the intention with hypertrophy. So just like our example of uh, squeeze a musculature. Right. Think about like uh, um, doing something like uh, concentration curls because that is so isolated. So a concentration curl is intentionally a very long eccentric, a very long concentric, and you're just doing that for reps and you're like really concentrating on engaging that muscle. Got to look at the bicep. Yeah. You got to look at that bad boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like right there. Look at that. I'm getting a pump right now. I'm thinking about at that it. Vein yeah, it's freaking me out. <laughs> just thinking about it. My muscles are like, yes, no, no. But, um, the intention is so different because we're isolating a specific muscle for it to grow right so there needs to be adaptation there needs to be damage and there needs to be recovery with that um so that muscle actually says okay i need to get a little bit bigger because if that happens again tomorrow i want to be able to handle that um with muscle endurance that's not the case we're just trying to put blood into that thing it's going to be more compound in nature um and by compound i mean you're actually doing patterns right like we're trying to improve muscle endurance in the squat pattern not muscle endurance in the vmo that's not that's not the intention so hypertrophy versus muscle endurance i hope i explained that like clearly yeah. but they're just different definitely and i think it's it's really important language to clean up because it's very easy to look at a muscle endurance prescription and think that a hypertrophy dose is what the coach might be looking for because you see you know the slower eccentric you see the eight to 10 reps, whatever it might be. And that looks like a classic, you know, bodybuilding.com prescription mm -hmm. uh, for hypertrophy, but it's not. There has yeah. to be an intention behind it. Uh, it has to be tailored to what that person is like capable of expressing and what their personal limitations are going to be at this moment. And then getting into strength endurance when that intention is to grow or for hypertrophy to occur that can be a, that language i think can be a little bit confusing because we're using the term strength endurance mm -hmm. and then we got hypertrophy over here people often polarize hypertrophy and strength and yep. think that they're training you train those things in two very different ways yep. and i think it's just important to 
like you just did, clear up the fact that if we're training with the goal of hypertrophy, that actually exists inside of strength endurance. Yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of that is, so if we look at the literature, we can, we can get maximum levels of hypertrophy at 30% of our one rep maxes, maximum amount of hypertrophy. Are we going to, is that a bunch of tension? It's not right. So that's why it's different than strength endurance because the intention is different. So, um, as a coach, when you design a training program for hypertrophy versus strength endurance or muscle endurance, the exercise selection is just going, it's going to be the biggest separator. That's what's going to be different. Like what is, what, what is, let's talk about what is not muscle endurance or strength. And then we'll get into strength endurance. What is not muscle endurance? Muscle endurance is not barbell curl, rest 15 seconds, incline, like for 10, rest 15 seconds, dumbbell incline curl, AMRAP minus one. That's not muscle endurance. That's hypertrophy because we're not going up that muscle endurance tree by patterns. We're just putting a lot of repetition into a specific musculature. So I think that's important to think about as well. Definitely. Did we give muscle endurance examples? We got there, right? Yeah. Yeah, we gave it. Okay. Let's do uh, strength endurance. Yeah. Strength endurance, the exact same thing, but the tension is higher. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think I kind of indirectly did it yes. with the front squat versus the uh, goblet squat. Yeah. Tension is just a little bit higher. So uh, whatever that means for that specific person, uh, the 3-1-3-1 could still be there maybe for someone. Um, but if the goal is to increase, like let's say you have someone that let's say you have an ice hockey player. It's like, if you want to develop strength endurance, a three, one, three, one protocol, uh, three months before the season is probably not a great idea because what are you doing? You're teaching them to be slow and concentrics. You probably don't want to do that with someone that needs to be like, boom, 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 but like very, very high turnover, very high sport, uh, client that you're training. And you're like, Hey, I want some carryover from this. Um, so strength endurance can be a lot of things for a lot of different people, but I think people just need to think about tension is higher. That's it. Tension's just a little bit higher. Quick question before we move away from strength endurance and muscle endurance. Uh, when we're talking about progressing these two things, does that look different? Uh, does progression week to week in muscle endurance look different to progression week to week in strength endurance? Um, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Yeah. Like, uh, so just, uh, let's say. A coach has given a prescription of 8 to 10 on the goblet squat for muscle endurance. And they're thinking about going into the next week. Are they reducing reps? Are they increasing load? It. Are they extending reps yeah. versus strength endurance? Yeah, it's almost like the accumulation and in- intensification conversation. There's always blending, yeah. right? Um, and I know that we're not proposing that muscle endurance and strength endurance are using different uh, physiological components inside of them. So let's say the eight to 10 that you said, let's say that you stay in that rep range and you're like messing with loads or speeds over six weeks and then you eventually get to five to seven, like that's, you're starting to blend now, right? Because you're going to five to seven, I assume most of the time tension is increasing over the next six weeks. So you are starting to bleed a little bit into strength endurance if you, if you look at progression in that way, um, but when we start to look at uh, muscle endurance training that is pattern-based, because we're saying it's not exercise-based or musculature-based, you can actually throw different uh, challenges at someone week over week and keep the same protocol across an entire cycle. You know, it's like 
we're front squatting, we're back squatting, we're goblet squatting, we're belt squatting. We're doing all of this and we're doing it at high volumes. And the progression is we're just changing uh, the type of tension that they're feeling because the exercise is different. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, just for a, sure. Just a fun little uh, <clears throat> tangent there. Let's go into uh, what do we have next? Max contractions. Yeah, Max. Yeah, I don't want to spend a bunch of time here. I think people understand uh, lifting really heavy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, in terms of what that progression looks like, it's we're going into intensification type phases. Uh, tension is at its highest. Um, training around those pieces look a lot different because you can't, you shouldn't uh, hit like a one rep max every day and also do a bunch of hypertrophy work on the back end with the same muscle or pattern. Um, so the entire phase just looks a little bit different. Um, you know, that's not to say that you can't do like some muscle endurance work on a Saturday while you're doing some tough singles on a Tuesday. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but you just have to think about how those things interact. And if you're doing max contractions and the goal is to get stronger and that's why you're doing those max contractions, uh, don't put things around that that aren't going to allow you to get stronger. For sure. Um, max contractions. I don't think I have anything else to add there. Cool. All good. Let's yeah. let's go into battery. Aerobic or muscle, aerobic endurance. muscle yeah. endurance. Aerobic muscle endurance. Um, yeah, this one's – it's a fun one to play with. I'm not going to lie, right? Like I, I love – this area mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people like doing these things as well it's like a really fun challenge um so i'm not going to hit on like you need to do all the things before because we already hit on that enough like before you get here so let's just imagine that we're all on the same page we all understand what we needed to do to get here um but this is fun right like now we're doing uh muscle endurance challenges in aerobic settings um and for people that this is right for um I always think about progression and and how we dose it week to week. And the thing that's really fun about it is there doesn't have to be progression attached to it uh, in terms of like exercise selection specifically. You just do it. (laughs) You just do it. And if you're able to make it sustainable and aerobic, you just note that and you're like, okay, I can do that. Right. And then maybe next week you're doing something else. It's like, I'm not able to make that sustainable or aerobic. I note that. And then I think about what I need to change in my training to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, if, if we're going example-based and we stick to something like the squat, uh, using something different than uh, the 20 round for time MRF partition, it could be something like, a, you know, a, a ski piece, a wall ball, uh, a wall ball inside of it, um, some burpees, and you're just doing that for an amount of time in an interval setting. And, you know, you're challenging muscle endurance in the, in the squat pattern specific to the wall balls. And it's always a game to play like, okay, what are variables I need to consider in terms of, let's say it's an AMRAP, right? It's a five-minute AMRAP. It's like, how many reps go in each? It's like, okay, if it's a five-minute AMRAP and I want it to be like a circuit format, I need it to be smooth, right? So I don't want 30 reps in the wall ball because now they're just going to spend, you know, a good amount of time on that wall ball and they might get two sets in or two rounds in, in that AMRAP. So yeah, it's fun to kind of play with formatting and all of that. And, uh, just messing around with challenging muscle endurance in that setting. Yeah. I think it's a, there's an interesting kind of gray area in aerobic muscle endurance where muscle endurance is being challenged, for example, in the wall ball, but it can't be such a great challenge that someone isn't able to express aerobic muscle endurance and they're just completely stopped by their muscle endurance, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. By definition, for it to be aerobic muscle endurance, 
it almost has to look like they're not phased by it. So it's finding that it's finding that um, that that area where someone looks like they're not phased by it, but there's some stuff going on mentally where they're like thinking about breathing, they're thinking about transitions. If there is a quick partition, they're doing it with a, a very quick turnover, um, and they're able to just repeat it over and over and over again. Um, we've all done work, and we've all seen people do work where um, there were some muscle endurance pieces in there where the goal was it was for it to be aerobic, but it just wasn't. Um, I just I think it's good if people do those and learn from them, but I think it's bad if people do those and they continue to do the same thing yeah. day over day. Right? Yeah, well, you do, you do see that. you There's <clears throat> the desire to want to get better at it, so you just keep doing the same thing, hoping to make it feel a little bit easier next time, but that doesn't ultimately end up in the best, <laughs> you know, long-term progression and in, in getting, you know, to the point that you can do that in the fastest, mm-hmm. most effective way possible. So it is looking at that exercise. Let's say you want someone to do a hundred wall balls in, you know, the span of a 15 minute AMRAP or whatever it might be. If they're just like totally, you know, struggle bus, uh, it's taking that out and looking at that wall ball uh, and doing that outside of that Metcon or mm-hmm. that muscle endurance pace and developing that functional volume there before you reintroduce it. Sounds like me. Wobbles. I've never liked them. No, me neither. They've always jacked me up. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Too powerful, man. Oof. <laughs> just like you throw the ball and your feet leave the ground? No, 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 no. No, no, no. I've just, my, my quads and hamstrings and like yeah. aerobic work, they, uh, I have to like really focus on, on them not like just creating too much tension, yeah. not shoving enough blood out of there. Um, you see it a lot with people with uh, that are very type two dom- dominant yeah. in terms of muscle fiber, uh, quads and hamstrings, just because they're so big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once once you get blood inside of that thing, when in a type twoer, they just want to like mm-hmm. burn through it, go really hard, and like just rest. Yeah. They just want to break from it. Well, I always uh, when Jacob, my husband, was doing CrossFit, he's like that he's not mm. aerobic <laughs> and doesn't want to be either which doesn't help but uh things like handstand push-ups or wall balls any opportunity where there was to create you know generate force through the ground into some like ex- explosive like dynamic movement like throwing a ball or kicking your leg mm-hmm. on a kipping handstand push-up it looked like he was trying to leave the ground on the wall balls and like his hands would kind of like almost pop off the ground on the handstand push-up yeah. he just like didn't know how to dial it back yeah you just give give him like uh 10-minute AMRAP pr- before that, dampen him down, yeah. tire him out a little bit, he'll be okay. <laughs> he doesn't need to do that <coughs> stuff. We don't need to worry about that. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, aerobic muscle endurance. All right, and yeah. battery to end. Yeah. Good old battery. I think it's an easy one. Yeah, battery. It's just, uh, you know, we explained it at the top of the of the episode and, you know, how we test it in the power clean and then do it again. Um, but there's also, um, we could also do other forms of battery that are not, load base which is weird because i did say high percentages of one rep max and blah 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 but there's also gymnastics battery you know if some some people have well everyone has a challenge of moving their body weight through space in a gymnastics way for some amount of volume right so let's say you know the challenge for you was 30 and a muscle up um for us to work on if we're working on like muscle up battery we're challenging that a little bit, right? We could do that like in an EMOM format, an AMRAP format. So let's just say a four-time format. So it's like, okay, Georgia, 
we're going to do this. Uh, 30 reps in a session for you and the muscle up is very challenging. I want to do 40 today. So what we're going to do is we're going to do 10 rounds for time. And we're going to do four burpee muscle ups because I want you to like really slow down and I want every rep to be precise and I want you to be able to breathe between each blah, blah, blah. Um, we're going to do 10 rounds for time, four burpee muscle ups and 15 calories on the bike erg. And I want you to use the calories on the bike erg as like a, uh, pseudo recovery, right? Where it's like, we're going to go 60 to 70% on that. And I want you to like really keep a high pace on your burpee muscle up. That's gymnastics battery because we're challenging that system and the upper echelon of your capabilities because 30 is really challenging for you. We're going to do 40. I know I'm giving you a lot of credit right now. Just take it. Just we're going to do smiling. We're going to do 40 in this session. So yeah, battery, we could do it with load. We could do it with body weight. Um, it's just like upper echelons of, uh, of capacities Yeah. or threshold. Yeah. So we've got, um, example. Well, I think last point on uh, battery, this is one of those things that you're not doing with most people, which we kind of alluded to before. But guys, when you go and uh, you sign up for that muscle endurance uh, tree class with Carl, there's some examples in there for all levels of the tree. But when we get to battery, it's purposefully left blank for gen pop uh, because your general population client just doesn't need to work on that. No, we could get, you know, we could be gray and we could say, well, if you wanted to do it with a general population client, it could look like this. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be like, like hard line, like just don't do it. There's, there's no point. Like you could do like a sled push assault bike workout and make that battery, or you can do a dumbbell bench press, uh, deadlift workout with someone to make that battery. But it's like, why the heck? Like you don't need to, you don't need to express that. You don't need to challenge that. You don't need to, uh, even do that type of work with those people. So I think it's important just to not even let it get into your mind. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've walked through our examples. Is there any other broad thoughts around the muscle endurance tree you'd like to leave people with? No, it's um, no, it's just a good framework. Yeah, it's a good framework to think about and, uh, you know, open your brain to where, you know, because I, I think, uh, I think, and, and I know that when we, when we talk about the muscle endurance tree and progressing up that thing, it's for an athlete, really, right? It's like, we're not really thinking about progressing muscle endurance and strength endurance to like their highest abilities with like a general population person. So, um, I always like looking at different models, even if I'm not coaching those people, uh, just cause it opens my mind to like, okay, maybe this is happening when I'm working with, uh, Susan in the gym, right? Like, I think it's always good to kind of reach, uh, in terms of like knowledge and, and what you understand and think about how that interacts with or not the people that you're working with so it's just a really good framework in my biasly i guess in my yeah. opinion well guys if you want to learn that really good framework in more detail uh, make sure you head to the description to download or i should say sign up for the muscle endurance tree course with carl i think the full title is unlock unlocking athletic performance with with muscle endurance training that was a mouthful Whew. yeah yeah guys just head to the description click the <laughs> link it's sitting there for you uh, i hope you enjoy it as always please make sure you leave us a comment or leave us a review to let us know uh, what you thought of the episode any feedback is much appreciated we really appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your day to uh, head on over and give us a review there and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week yeah and if uh, you haven't joined us for ccp yet what are you waiting for join us yeah, we have uh, a lot of these really good conversations there. We sure um, do. So, backroom talk is only is fairly front room. Yeah, 
would yeah, say yeah. so. The we real have, back have, room is CCP. Yeah, sorry, we have we, we already discussed this. This is back room, then we have back back room. Yes. So back back room is yeah. CCP calls. Come join us in the back back room. The jokes are even better there. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.